0: Houston, we have a podcast. You're listening to the Premier Rockets podcast. It's H-Town Hoops. Hosted by Brandon Scott and Adam Spolane. That's right, it is the H-Town Hoops podcast. I am Brandon Scott here with Adam Spolane, Austin Mendez, handling things for us behind the scenes. We talked a little less than a week ago. Since then, the Rockets have split home games. They've won a game in overtime against... I don't know if they're still the arch rival, Utah Jazz. They're, they're the arch rival of my childhood anyway, Adam. Uh, the arch rival, Utah Jazz, and overtime win at home. And then, of course, the loss to the Boston Celtics on Sunday. But the story that comes out of the weekend, and obviously in that overtime win, I, I would say the game-saving block comes from the rookie, Amin Thompson. And then the story to me of the last couple of games is that the rookies got their first start uh against boston now you know i don't I don't know how much our audience is into into more victories but i i did think that the rockets did some things in this game that were despite losing that were imported important or much needed uh, in terms of some of the things that we talked about in the last episode that they were lacking but Amin thompson and cam whitmore get their first starts and, and adam Hey, man, you know, I've been wanting, I wanted to talk about Cam Whitmore before it was time and before it was appropriate. You know how high I've been on him, uh, even going back to the draft. What were your impressions? I know you were in the building. What was your impressions of watching the rookies work? And then overall, just your thoughts on the effort that the Rockets gave, even in defeat against the Celtics. And of course, that that exciting overtime win against the Jazz.
1: Yeah, so let's. I guess we'll start with the game on Sunday um, by itself first. And uh, I think when you look at who they were missing, um, you're missing. They're basically missing three of their best six guys. Van Vleet didn't play. Uh, maybe not three of their best. if Maybe three of their best eight. But no Van Vleet. No Eason. Uh, no Jeff Green, like those are rotation guys that you're without, and it's two of your best six with Van Bleed and Easton. So not having those guys, uh, it, it hurt. Uh, and then when you get outscored from the three point line the way that they did, 17 to 10, I mean you're when, when you're that that's 21 points right there. So they're back. So the the the, the margin for error is very small in that game. Uh, they competed though, and they got off to a bad start. They're down 15 at halftime. They gave up 30. They gave up 70 points in the first half, 46 in the second half. So uh, the fact that they were able to compete uh in that game, I do think that, that it shows something, especially when they were as shorthanded as they were. Now as for the rookies, I think Amen Thompson is showing some steps. Like he he is making some gradual steps of improvement that I think are important. And I think that that's going to get him on the floor uh quite a bit as this season goes along. Offensively, defensively, I mean he had 14 rebounds uh the other night, five assists. Um defensively he's good and he's you know he's rangy and lanky and all, all that good stuff uh he he has the ability to get to the rim he has ability to finish in traffic when he's at the rim the shooting is a big issue now they're not going to fix that overnight i think that'll probably be a summer project for him is how do we become at least passable as a jump shooter uh again it, it's it's not good right now right now it's pretty bad he's got to work on that but I, I think overall like you said he had the big block on friday i think that was a that was a really big step for them winning that game on Friday, not to get off topic a little bit, but um, that's a game they probably should have lost. And when you think about it, Fred Van Vliet fouls out with two minutes to go. They have been awful without Fred Van Vliet this season. And so the fact that they were able to win a game without him, uh, it showed a lot. And the fact that Ime Yudoka was able to trust Amin Thompson to sub him in defensively, like uh, Yudoka loves offense for defense substitutions. Um, Normally he doesn't have to do that at that point guard spot because Van Vliet's solid at both ends, but he was more than willing to go with the men Thompson defensively and it paid off. And and I think I asked Thompson about this the other night. He said it did a lot for his confidence that Udoka showed him that faith. So really good with uh Amen Thompson. Cam Whitmore, you saw some holes. Yep. And I, I know that listen, he has been a very good shooter. I think that he has been a much better shooter than I think I thought he was going to be at this stage. But when he doesn't make shots, how is he impacting the game? And he did not make shots on Sunday. He really didn't impact the game a whole lot. He took seven shots in 27 minutes. He only made two of them, only had four rebounds, did not have an assist. So, like, if you're not going to make shots, what are you going to do to positively impact the game? I don't have an answer for that right now with the men, Thompson.
0: Oh, excuse me, with Cam Whitmore. With Cam Whitmore. Yeah, no, I'm I'm right there with you. So there's a lot there because the – you know, first of all, to go back to the game, you know, before we get to the rookies, like you mentioned, the Jazz game, I, I, what I was impressed by was just that, you know, you get those missed free throws by Shingoon, and you're still able to recover from that, still able to kind of keep your head in the game. And, you know, going back to the point I was making earlier about what they showed in both of these games in, in the, in the win and in the loss, was just sort of this this attitude and this grit, this uh, this thing that seems kind of unquantifiable. But Ime Udoka talks about it, and you can see the difference in how they play when they're flat and when they lose. Uh, and then in these couple of games that that were competitive, and one of which they won in overtime, it's like there was a little bit more. I don't know, just a, a little bit more of that intangible uh, aspect of it. So I, I thought that was really really good for them, and then of course for the confidence. And just in terms of the evaluation, like a uh, men Thompson, like that's not just like like that's him coming off the weak side defender, uh, and, and seemingly coming out of nowhere, showing a couple of things with that block in overtime, or with that with that block to uh, to basically seal the game. Um, he shows to me the awareness, like this IQ that I, that I think he's like shown this awareness that that's really I think on par for where you need to be for a rookie point guard. And then obviously the physical ability, which is, you know, all in the scouting report, like, man, this guy is really somebody who, you know, with some work can really, uh, can really make an an impact on the game. Um, And and I think, I think that's the, the, the cool thing about Thompson. Um, And I'll get to Whitmore in a second, but with Thompson, I, I like that despite the shooting, and maybe this is just a glass half full view of it, Adam, but like the shooting's obviously an issue. Like it is it is glaringly bad but it seems like they're doing a decent enough job trying to operate around it work around it uh some of the stuff that he's doing with I'm in mean, or I'm sorry with 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 Operation Goon uh trying to uh, I know they want to you know get him in the dunker spot keep him um you know you know you know dribble handoffs like that they're trying to figure out ways to like use his athleticism to his advantage let him pick his spots and and the spots that and the shots they want him to take as opposed to the shots that the opposing defense wants him to take. So, so so I like the way that they're trying to at least manage around the fact that his shot is not there and it's not gonna be there, they're not gonna fix it like you said overnight. Um with Cam Whitmore, man. <laughs> the the thing about that is it's like okay, do you just is is the is it right now like he's he's not gonna play once they're fully healthy? He's I don't think he's gonna be playing as much as he like once Tari Eason comes back and you know you know Dylan Brooks is now back, and you know, when when they're at full strength, he's not going to play as much. Is it is it just that his best role is to just come in there and and cook? Like just kind of a microwave score. Is that kind of just like the you know, where where he is. Like, maybe maybe there's something different about being in that starting role Um that, you know, I don't know, that, that caused him to be a little bit less effective. I'm not sure. Well, but, but, but you're right. Though. Because when you're starting, you're playing against starters. Yeah. So the guys that you're
1: playing against are much better players, and there's going to be a whole lot more attention paid to you on the scouting report. So when that attention is paid to you and when you're playing against better players, it's probably not going to go – Quite as well. Um, So that's where, listen, I've seen it. People want to see more Cam Whitmore, and I get it. Again, it's a young player thing. Everybody loves to see the young player. Pump the brakes on it a little bit because there are some things that he's got to get a lot better at. And I mean a lot better. And for a guard to average less than one assist per 36 minutes, that's not great. And so, like, I've seen a lot of, well, he needs to be playing ahead of Jalen Green. I get that. I get where people are coming from with that. But right now, Cam Whitmore is a better shooter than Jalen Green. You need to be better at other things aside from just the shooting. Um, Jalen Green is a better defender. He's a better playmaker. Like Jalen Green is a better rebounder at this point. So I get where people are coming from. But I think that people tend to fall in love with the fact that the guy is making shots. And he is. But when you're not going to make shots every game. So how do you adjust and how do you impact the game when those shots aren't falling? And I do think that that's what
0: Cam Whitmore has to figure out over the next however many games are left in this season. You know what I? You know what I bet people wish, and this is not to speak for other people, but I'm kind of projecting here a little bit with Cam Whitmore. There's probably that wish because you know Jalen Green's having this disappointing season, which is well documented and, and much discussed. I feel like, and, and also he had these last two years of just empty basketball to gain this experience that you would have hoped would have benefited him more than it appears that it has. And so with Cam Whitmore, I feel like there's this envy of, Hey, I wish he got to get some of that empty experience that Jalen Green got, like just put him on the floor, let him play, let him figure it out. The issue is, and that'd be, I think that would be great if he had that opportunity, if the, you know, if the Rockets were in that position, but they're not, Right, they're trying to play competitive basketball. They can't really roll the ball out there and just let Cam Whitmore learn from mistakes or trial by fire the way, say, Steven Silas did with Jalen Green his first two years. You know, like it's a Cam Whitmore is coming into a different situation as a rookie, as an as an, as a rookie that people are excited about. And I think that's I think that, that that's part of it. that He's on a, a team that's trying to be competitive. Therefore, his development is going to have to be more of a slow burn. Or at the very least, it's not going to be just him out there playing over guys that are that are still better than him. Well, it's the same thing with the men, Thompson. Like That's the difference
1: with this team now compared to the last couple of years is that you've got guys ahead of the guys that were drafted in the first round. And so now, instead of those minutes, like you said, like, if – if amen if the 2023 draft happens in 2022 amen thompson and cam whitmore are probably playing heavy minutes this season you know what i mean and so they would have gotten those opportunities but it's a different situation right now and there are better players that are on this roster right now than there were in the past so it's it's going to come a little slowly I, I did think that it was important though ymei yudoka was asked i believe it was on sunday uh would Cam Whitmore wind up going, spending any more time back in the G League? And he said, no, like he's going to probably be with the NBA team the rest of the season. So he's basically graduated from having to play in the G League, which I think is a positive step. I, I think that a lot of people would have assumed that he would have spent a good portion of the rest of this season in the G League. But give him credit. He used that G League time to his to his advantage. Uh, he used, you know, sometimes guys will get sent down to the G League and they'll pout and moan and just take it. You know, they will take it for the opposite of what it's meant to be. But he used those minutes to to get better. And he used that time to get better. And it's going to keep him up here uh, for it looks like the rest of the season. So I think that's a positive development. And the, and they do trust him. I, I think that the fact that he's playing crunch time in some of these games shows that they have a whole lot more trust in him now than they thought that they would when the season started. So give him credit for that. But he got a long way to go.
0: Well, well since you mentioned Jalen Green and sort of this – juxtaposition, this conversation about Cam Whitmore should play over him and all, like, let's point out here these last couple of games that we're talking about that Jalen Green wasn't great, and I, like, I like, what do you think it says about, like, if we have all of these criticisms of Cam Whitmore of how things need to get better and how he's not necessarily ready to be playing as crucial of minutes as maybe some want him to be, but like, what does it say about Jalen Green to be in a, a a place where you know guys would prefer a player who's not even really better than him to be playing over him. Like like to me, that's that's sort of an indictment on on, on just where we are with that experiment or with that experience. Well people see the shooting and the shooting's been bad. And the shooting is a really big part of basketball.
1: And they see a team that is struggling to score. And now you have this guy who's been a below average shooter really from all areas of the floor. And so that's like the first thing that people think of. Well, here's a guy who's shooting better than this guy. The guy who's shooting better is the one that needs to be playing. But there are other aspects of the game that matter. And I do think that one of the things – I thought this was important because I mentioned how Fred VanVleet did not play the last two minutes of regulation and overtime on Friday. I did not think Jalen green would come back in that game. Jalen green was subbed out with five thirteen to go in the third quarter. He did not shoot the ball. Well, but when Van Vliet fouled out, it was green who came back in and it was green. Who was basically the point guard during those last seven minutes, the last two minutes of regulation. And then the five minutes of overtime and the rockets offense ran pretty well during that stretch with Jalen green running point. And I do think that shows just kind of the value that Jalen green does have. Like if it's, Like, could Ken Whitmore come in and and run point for the Rockets? No, of course not. And he shouldn't be expected to. He's been in the league for, what, three months. And that's just not his strength right now. So uh, the fact that Jalen Green is able to do more things, that's important. It's just that a lot of times those those things don't necessarily show up on the stat sheet. Like, there's no column in the stat sheet for making the right read. You know what I mean? Like, that was the big thing that they talked about uh, on Friday night after that game. I asked you, Doka, specifically, were there things that that Jalen green can build on in that stretch at the end of the game. And he said, yeah, he's making the right read. Like we ran the same play three straight times. He made the right read all three of those times. Like there's no column for that. There's no stat that says who leads the league in making the right read. Maybe we should come up with that at some point, but that sort of stuff matters. It's the little things that don't necessarily show up in the box score. Those count too.
0: Yeah. No, you're a hundred percent right about that. I do think that it's fair though, that, I mean, because the reality of it is Fred like Fred Van Vliet's hurt right now. Mm-hmm. But the reality of it right now. Right, right. Well, I mean, I mean, he missed the last game. Like Fred, Fred Van has been banged up, you know, the last uh week and change or however long he's been. And but he's also played uh, an incredible amount of minutes and he is their kind of their go-to ball handler, they're like their guy. And so the the role and vision for Jalen Green is to be the score, the shooter, and like you mentioned, the numbers are looking better, or have been looking better at least for Cam Whitmore as opposed to Jalen Green in the thing that he is expected to do. And by the way, the thing as we've talked about, the thing that the Rockets are not good at, or great at, or struggle to do at times, which is put the ball in the basket, which is shoot. So, so like like that nuance that you just provided is, I think, important, but also very easy to to sidestep or ignore when you kind of just look at it like hey here's a guy that's supposed to be a great scorer but he's not right now hey here's a team that could really use more scoring or shot making or shot creation and they don't have it right now and then there's this guy that doesn't play a lot of minutes oh he's you know and, and he's a rookie and the timeline is you know different you know you don't I have as much uh you're not jaded about this guy yet you know so let's so let's see more of him i think that's part of it. you know for me i just like the guys get down from the very beginning so i just kind of want to see him play basketball but that's sort of just kind of a side thing but but i, I do think that that's part of it is the underperformance of Jalen green as a scorer and the overall underperformance of the team offensively and like wanting to see somebody rectify that, especially a young player.
1: And I'll be interested to see with Whitmore because he was a 34% three point shooter in college. So I think he's at 38, 39% right now from three. Like, can he continue to shoot at that sort of a level with a deeper three point line with, with uh tougher contests? Like can he continue to shoot this well, or is it just kind of a, 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 a more of a small sample size at this point so um i am interested to see how that goes and he's gonna get the, like i said he's gonna play he's gonna get opportunities now he's he's earned his way into the, into that lineup so i'm
0: interested to see how that goes well are you skeptical about the shooter because see that's the thing that i'm more uh i guess like encouraged by and i'm i'm more skeptical of and wanting to see a with more playing time or and I i don't doubt this how much will more playing time help him with his shot selection and his discernment out there on the basketball court and learning how to impact the game in other ways, like you mentioned, his defense, things like that are, are the things that I'm really more like curious about. And I'm kind of like, now you got me thinking about the three point shot. I'm like, maybe that's like, to me, that's like the thing that I'm feeling like, okay, he's a better shooter than I realized or maybe gave him credit for especially just when I look at the numbers and then watch them shoot form looks good everything looks good you know so like I'm I'm kind of high on that on the shooting I'm I'm more so worried about the other stuff yeah no you're right but it's my job to be skeptical of everything
1: so. so but in when it comes to shot selection, basically his shot selection is: I have the ball, I'm going to. <laughs> it that's is man. That's his approach. He played. He played 27 minutes the other night and did not have an assist. Like again, those are little things that he's like. The ball's got to move a little bit more when he's in the game.
0: Yeah, no, nah, man. He's his. It it can be maddening. I think they're kind of just to wrap up the idea of a Cam Whitmore, Jalen Green juxtaposition. I'm not trying to pit the young players the Rockets young players against each other. I want them all to reach their potential. But that—that that is a noticeable difference of when Jalen Green got in the league and even times now, which is kind of the frustration, you wonder, like, if he knows how good he is or if he kind of understands how to use his powers. It's like, hey, man, you do realize that you should be able to manipulate defenses in certain ways. And, like, it, there's always been a feeling of, Jalen Green didn't lack confidence, but somehow, well, this is me just speaking for myself. That Jalen Green didn't lack confidence, but more so lacked like lack an understanding for what, like how what his skills are and how they translate per se, or, or and how you like dynamic he can be. Whereas Cam Whitmore is the opposite, where he might have an over understand a a. A, 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 a dramatized an overemphasis uh an oversized understanding is what i'm trying to say an oversized understanding for what his skills are and the confidence certainly isn't lacking and he's like man i'm fast and i'm strong and i jump high and all of that and i'm just gonna go and i can shoot a little bit i'm just gonna go for it you know and, and so i i say all that to say there's an attitude there there's a uh, i don't know if griminess is the word but there's a there's an attitude and a moxie there that perhaps at times is unwarranted but it's certainly i, I think appreciated when that's the thing that you want out of i think i think the thing that you want out of a young star but but ov- overall I, I think we could agree on this adam the rookies the rookie starting is a cool conversation piece but it's not a good thing for the rockets Hopefully that is as uh, and as, as Tim and as you mentioned, Fred Van Vliet is, uh, uh, let's go ahead and get to the health. Of, uh, right, can, can I just, can I just run some numbers by you real quick? Go ahead, go ahead. And and then Austin, you can pop up the health update uh, after, after that. Go ahead. So uh, a Thompson and
1: Cam Whitmore have shared the floor for 200 minutes this season. Do you know what the Rockets plus minus is in those 200 minutes? Let me guess. I'm
0: going to go minus 25. Minus 68 in 200 minutes. Oh, my God. I was trying. I gave him way more credit. Yeah, have been.
1: But yeah have, having the rookies on the floor together hasn't been great so far this season. So, yeah. All
0: right, man. We're going to talk eventually here about the trade deadline and the Rockets needs. We fit on it before a little bit in some other shows. But before we do that, let's talk a little bit about the health because that's that's what led us here, right? That's what led us to this moment with the, the rookies starting in the first place. Fred Van Vliet with the back. Obviously, Tari Eason's been out. Um, Jabari Smith had the ankle sprain in the Utah game, I believe. Uh, Yeah, and so, uh, of course, Dylan Brooks is back. But, like, they've been – Jeff Green's out. Catch us up a little bit, Adam. Uh, Who's available? Who's not? How serious is what? What should we be concerned about? What what should we be – looking out for with the with the with the Rockets health status
1: so the guys that did not play on Sunday that was basically just a one game thing Uh, Jabari Smith Jabari Smith Fred VanVleet Jeff Green are not on the injury report for tomorrow night against Portland so they'll play Uh, Jalen Green is questionable with uh, he mispracticed today because of an illness uh, so he's questionable for tomorrow and then Tari Eason it's the same thing um, not really, he was able to take part a little bit in today's practice, but, um, which is a step. Um, but again, there's not really a timetable on when he will be able to return. Um, they've got, um, let me think they've got Portland and then I think they've got a back-to-back Charlotte and Brooklyn. I want to say, I'm sure we'll get to the schedule here coming up a little bit later, but I think that's what they are. They're looking at. So, um, it would be hard to believe Eason plays in the back-to-back this weekend.
0: Are you surprised at all that Jeff Green, his health and his play overall has been as important to the team as it is and has been?
1: Um, I'm a little surprised that they've relied on him as much as they have. Um, I'm not surprised that from a health standpoint, he's been able to hold up. He's a professional who knows how to take care of himself. And I, I do think that's important that when you get to his age and you've been around for as long as you've been around, you understand what it takes to get through a season. And um, he had, I think it's what the knee is why he sat out on, uh, on Sunday. I think in his younger days, he probably tries to play through that, but knowing what he knows about his body, he probably understood. You know what, if I play on this, it's probably just going to make it worse. So let's not push it. And so I thought that that was probably the smart way to handle it. So I'm um, again, I'm surprised that they have leaned on him the way that they have. I think part of that is that Jock Landell hasn't been very good. And so he's kind of gotten those minutes. Uh, but I'm not surprised that he is, like, held up the way that he has.
0: Yeah, no, and that's what I was getting at. Not that he's held up, just the, the fact that it's been as bad that it, as it's been. I think when they signed Jeff Green, I, I expected him to play, you know, more than Bobon, but far less than he plays. You know, like, <laughs> that's what I – I mean, I thought he was going to come in there. I, I didn't think he would play more than eight. The ten minutes a game, you know, surely, and, and it's just been uh, it's just been a you know a huge disappointing signing with uh, with Jock Landale, and they just don't have him. But and we'll get to the trade deadline in just a second. But but that's been a surprise for me. Is uh, again not that he's held up health wise or that he's performed. It's just that we're here, you know that that Jeff Green all these years later is somebody who's who's having to go out there on a nightly basis and actually. Put that put you know put that theory to test you know put that nearly 40 year old body out there to test uh and, and and credit to him man like credit to jeff green um a guy who i don't you know i know the rockets are kind of in a you know hovering all right not even hovering but below 500 at this point trying to get to be hovering uh around 500 but they're not where they are even right now without the efforts and contributions of jeff green so um, so shout out to him in that way um, for for still being able to perform um, on on Van Vleet. Uh, unless you, you have something different, yeah. He,
1: you know, he played in all twenty of Denver's playoff games last year. He did, and he was, he was playing seventeen minutes a game. So like he, it's not like he had some small, you know, nondescript role on that team. So I guess it probably shouldn't have been a surprise that he is like he's still really good. Like he was still a really good player on a championship team last year. And he shot eighty nine percent from the field during the finals last year, which is you know we'll take that. So, yeah.
0: You say Fred's gonna be back. Yeah. Was, but the the back I, I, man, the back thing. Whenever I hear about her back, I get concerned because backs are tricky. Backs are brutal. If they if it hurts, it's one of the worst pains that exist. What? uh So so n- nothing to worry about with Fred VanVleet.
1: No, he said it's one of those things that happens. It impacts his shooting a little bit. But, again, similar to, to Green, you sit Sunday's game, you get a couple of days off, and then you play again on Wednesday. So I, I think that he just kind of knew his body and knew that he probably needed to take a day. And He has played a lot. Like, I think he's probably played a lot more than maybe people would have thought going into the season. Like I think for a stretch he was leading the league in minutes. I don't know if he still is. But I mean, they have to lean on him just because when he comes off the floor, it gets really bad. And you know, he's missed two games now. He missed uh, he had a thumb injury earlier in the year against Denver, second night of a back to back. Then he sits the second night of a back. Like if you're gonna if you're gonna sit a game, it might as well just be the second night of a back to back. So yeah, he didn't seem it, too. Concerned by it.
0: Yeah, I guess you know, I guess I'm trying to think about it now. Big picture though the minutes are a bit of a concern. And I think the, you know, part of it is like, what do you have behind him? You know, it's a rookie and it's, you know, Aaron holiday, but if if the rookie going to our earlier conversation about about Thompson, you know, if the rookie is showing you that he can give you valuable minutes, I'd like to think that the, you know, the one good thing to come out of it, if if you're gonna have to load manage you know Fred Fred VanVleet at times, or if he's if he misses a game here or there, and and Thompson's getting these opportunities. Hopefully, what's being revealed to them is that they can rely on him more, and maybe you know Fred VanVleet's not close to leading the league in minutes. You know, like I like I, I think ideally, you know, this kind of developmental timeline is that at this point, you know, halfway through the season, into the back half of the season, I'm in, I'm in Thompson. Is giving you quality enough minutes and is reliable enough to where you can keep—I don't want to say keep them fresh because they do need them out there, but keep them fresher to where they're not burning them out the way they had to earlier in the season when it seemed like they didn't really have much behind.
1: Yeah, I just wonder—it's uh, it, hard with Amen Thompson when you when he's on the floor without Vleet because it just messes with your spacing so bad. Yeah. And their, their offense has not been good when it's been Thompson on and Van Vliet off, just because, again, it, it just shuts off a lot of the paint. So I do think that they want to try and have those two on the floor together.
0: Um, but, you know, we'll wait and see. I mean, again, we still got half a season to go. Jabari Smith Jr. is going to be back from the ankle maybe after the Portland game. Oh, he's playing. He's he's playing. He's the, he's not on, yeah, he's not on the injury report. He he's not there. on the injury report. You said that. Okay. All right. All right. He's so, right. practicing. Yeah. All right, good, good. So, well, then that's good. That's better than I thought. It's better than I realized. Uh, Jabari, you know, just a you know a point on him. You know, like I, I think that's one of the between. I think between the 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 good of Shingoon and the you know disappointment of Jalen Green, and then somewhere in between there is to the look at the free agency. I feel like Jabari is a like a a really cool sidebar you know really just a really cool sidebar story so for him to you know him being healthy i think is uh not just great for him but important for this team because of what he offers them on both ends of the floor agreed all right so trade deadline needs ahead of the trade deadline i'll just say this i think the the needs are pretty obvious backup center and some form of shooting. However, you can get it. Um, obviously, uh, positionless basketball these days, however you can get shooting, you'll take it um, on the perimeter would be nice. But if you can get a shooter names that I feel like are most popular that I hear about are you know, there was that Quinn Grimes report, I'm gonna let you speak on all of this, Adam, you let me know what you think of some of these names out there. Quentin Grimes was a name one of the New York-based reporters mentioned as, you know, the Knicks possibly shopping him and the Rockets being somebody interested in Quentin Grimes. Obviously, Quentin Grimes is a Houston-area native, played at U of H, uh, very, very familiar with Quentin Grimes' work, um, been a really good player and a good shooter for for the Knicks, would help him a lot. Um, Clint Capella, a name that has come up um I don't know how realistic that actually is uh, but of course somebody that we're obviously familiar with as the place that he started his career um there are other names out there I, I would throw I would throw out you know we're talking about the trade deadline but Bismack Biombo is still a free agent you know we, we know what their needs are what what do you feel like is realistic what would you be looking out for for the Rockets as that deadline approaches in the next couple of weeks
1: so I don't really know like what direction they will try to go in when it comes to adding at the deadline. And I do think they're going to try and add something at the deadline. I, I would be stunned if they don't. And just from what I've been told, they are they are the, the phones have been busy over there so far. Um they have the ability to do some things though. Just because you look at some of the contracts they have to trade, you've got Victor Oladipo's expiring. You've got the non-guaranteed contract of Jock Landau. Like right, that right there adds up to about a $22 million player. If you want to get even bigger, you can add Jay Sean Tate, who's got a player option for next year. That's another $7 million. Jeff Green has a player option for next year. That's what, 8 or $9 million. And then there's Jalen Green, maybe, if you are ready to call it quits on him. That's another salary that you can add to this thing. So they have the ability to stack up contracts to get someone I, again i don't know what direction they are looking to go in um they have draft picks to trade they have their own pick in 28 and 2028 their own pick in 2030 that they can trade they have brooklyn's 2024 first round pick that looks like it's going to be a lottery pick they've got brooklyn's 2026 uh, first round pick that we'll have to wait and see if that's a lottery pick at this point, but that could be a lottery pick just with the way that the Nets are headed. So they have things to offer. It's just a matter of, do you see anything that is worth you know giving up something important for? I don't know the answer to that at this point. Uh, I do think that for them, adding a big would be important just because I don't know how much they want to keep playing Jabari Smith and Jeff Green at center. I I just don't think that it's great when it's one of those two guys playing center. You just, you give up a lot physically when that happens. So adding a center to me would be big. Somebody like Quentin Grimes or one of these other, you know, I've seen Buddy Heald has been thrown out there. I I don't know. Like, do you want Quentin Grimes getting minutes ahead of Cam Whitmore? Do you want, you know, you know what I mean? Like you got to think about your own guys that you're trying to develop at the same time. So that's why the center thing makes a whole lot of sense because they don't have anybody else on the roster that you're that you're taking away minutes from if you add a center.
0: All right. So. You you threw something out there that's going to make me be a little a little bit reckless here, but I mean, we've
1: you know. already done it. <laughs> I know exactly where you're going, and I'm pretty sure we've already done this in the last few weeks, so let's just do it again.
0: Wait, I don't. I don't think you know where I'm going with this one. Or maybe, 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 maybe you do. But this is so. I'm seeing out there that you know, just tr- rumors. I don't. I don't know how legit this is. Like I've, I've seen Donovan Mitchell's name out there. Donovan Mitchell makes thirty-two million dollars a year, give or take. Mm-hmm. You just, you just did the math on the amount of. They can easily like, get to thirty-two. They could easily get to thirty-two. Is that a thing that accelerates the timeline, or that like does that does that put, move the needle enough for the Rockets? You know, like both. Give me give me both both what you think the Rockets might think, and then what you think personally in terms of that in, in terms of that idea specifically, and, and trying to make enough salary work to go get somebody like a Donovan Mitchell.
1: Yeah, I, I think that that moves them comfortably into the plan if they were to do something. And I'm assuming you are using Jalen Green in that trade. You're using multiple, you're probably using both Brooklyn picks. You're probably using one of your, you know, you're, you're giving up a haul. Now I don't necessarily think that would be enough to get Donovan Mitchell out of Cleveland. I, I just, that team is playing really well. He's playing at a really high level. If you're Cleveland, that's more of a, an offseason type move for them. So I know where you're going. But I don't think that that would be a possibility. Now, listen, if, if you want to call the calves, go ahead and call the Cavs, just to, to feel them out, if anything, to lay the groundwork for, for the summer, but not, I don't see that one happening, but Hey, if it's, if it's out there, go ahead. And it's also one of those things where he'd be a free agent after next season. I think the rockets would probably feel pretty comfortable in their ability to re-sign him if they were to trade for him in a contract year.
0: Yeah. It's, it's appealing. It's appealing, man. You know, you, it's appealing on the one hand because you talk about just kind of it's the NBA. So you need a player like that to even be in certain conversations, um, or at least the conversations that you want to be in as a team. But then also it feels like, you know, okay, we've seen him on a couple teams now. Like it it feels like there is like, you would absolutely do that with the idea that you need another star. You need to be pairing him with another star, whether that be Shangoon emerging as one, or adding one in addition to, or you see what Jabari Smith turns into, but it's not like, it, to me, it's a short-term fix. I guess I guess it's a shorter-winded way of putting it. It's a short-term fix, short-term gratification for what the Rockets are trying to be. Like you said, it, it probably comfortably puts you in the play-in, makes you one of the bona fide lower seed, uh, you know, lower seed Western Conference teams. But but to me, it doesn't. It doesn't do a lot beyond that for you and your future, if the things that you need to work out for you don't work out for you with the development of the of the other guys and or bringing in somebody else like Jonathan Mitchell, you know what I mean like another guy like that so. So to me it's a it's a short term fix it just it, it accomplishes the goal. What feels like the stated goal of this year, which is win a bunch of more games get into the play in, get into the playoffs somehow some form of fashion, but. But really, what to me, and especially if Jalen Green were to be involved, I know a lot of people have soured on Jalen Green, but if he were to be a part of that move, um, it would totally make sense because Donovan Mitchell changes the trajectory, changes the conversation uh, of your team. But but also it, it would it, it would leave a sour taste because it's like you know it, you're only but so good with that, and and you're obviously just acknowledging the failed development of. You know your your own homegrown guy.
1: It would take a lot more though than Jalen Green, a couple of picks and salary filler though to get that type of a
0: deal done,
1: even if he is in the last year of a
0: contract. So I get what you're saying. Do you think the right? Rock- so do you think the Rockets don't have enough to get to get uh, enough of, appealing? Didn't.
1: No, I think that they do. It's just they a got matter the picks of picks too.
0: You know,
1: would you be willing to give up Jalen Green and one of your other? high first round picks and more pick, you know, more stuff on top of that to get that. I don't, I don't know if they would be again, I it's pure speculation. I don't know if they'd be willing to go there, Um, but it's, it's an interesting, it's a thought exercise and I'm sure it's one that they are having in their offices right now. Like you've, if you've got an opportunity to get it, to get an all-star, like, I don't know if they've drafted an all-star. You know what I mean? Like they've had three, really good. They've had a bunch of first round picks over the last three years. They might've drafted an all-star in them. You know, Schengen could be an all-star Jabari Smith could be an all-star. Uh, we'll have to wait and see on some of the younger guys, but I, I, Donovan Mitchell is an all-star and Donovan Mitchell has been a really good player on really good teams now for a long time. Um, so yeah, it's certainly a floor raiser. I, I don't know. I mean, you're having to give up a lot in order to make that happen though. That That's not, I, I see them going for, something a little bit smaller, at least for the rest of the season, because I do think that they want to get a little bit more information on the guys that they have. Like, I think that they would probably like another 40 games of information on Jalen Green before they make a decision on that.
0: All right. On the bigs, do you have a big in mind that they should target? And why is it, why is it somebody that they've already had on the team before? Like uh, I'm, I'm doing this weird thing. I'm like, Oh man, you're telling me they should go trade for Clint Capella or wait, you're telling me they don't have a backup center that's better than Bruno Fernando. Uh, like what, like what happened here? Like it? it what's, what's Bruno doing? Where, where's Bruno at? Like what, what should they do for backup center? man? Just go find somebody. Um,
1: the Capella thing does make sense. And I think Atlanta would be, will- I think Atlanta's probably trying to move him. That team is pretty bad right now. And it seems like a Congo is playing more at this point than, than Capella is at least in crunch time. Um, they traded Clint Capella though more for Russell Westbrook than anything else. No, and- oh, that and I remember. Yeah,
0: we we well, yeah, Capella we was hurt at the time too. Then um, you couldn't you know, have you couldn't you you couldn't have two guys on the floor that couldn't shoot. Yeah. yeah.
1: Um, do you know how old Clint Capella is right now?
0: I'm gonna say 20. He's either 28 or 29.
1: 29. He's still pretty young, having been in yeah. the league for as long as he's been in the league. Um, you know, he's he's it would be a weird mix just because i don't think that he and Shingoon could play together i don't know how that would work um so you're probably just he not playing a whole lot like that that's one of those things where this is a guy who's been a 25 30 minute guy for much of his career and he's going to be making 22.2 million dollars next year and he's probably no more than playing 12 or 15 minutes for you so is he going to be cool with that role probably not but I, that's That's the tough aspect of it. Um, He's still good, and he still helps you because, again, they are playing small when Shingun is not on the floor, and they're fortunate that Shingun's been healthy the entire season. Shingun hadn't missed a game yet. You know What happens if there's a game where Shingun can't play? Are you going to give those minutes to Landau? Probably not. You're going to go small for 36 out of 48 minutes, probably, and I don't know if that's the direction that they want to go. I don't think that playing small has really worked for them so far this season. So adding a legitimate center, I think, would help them. Just the role for that guy might not be as big as that guy might expect it to be. And that's where Capella comes in. But Capella's a great teammate. He's a great guy to have in a locker room. He's, he's just he's as professional as it gets, always has been. Um, so if you're going to add somebody, he's not a bad guy to add.
0: Yeah, I, I the only concern I've got with this is, you know, whether it's Capella or, you know, whoever it is that they might target is what, what is it that you, you know, like the the previous conversation we were having about, about Donovan Mitchell, would you want to give up this and that for Donovan Mitchell? And is it, you know, is it worth it? Well, that's an easier sell because you realize that, you know, Donovan Mitchell changes the conversation, like I mentioned before, but I'm concerned about what you might give up. And I don't have a great sense for this. Maybe you can talk me off the ledge here. But I'm concerned about what you might give up for a backup center. Like you said, Clint, Clint Capella's is not playing much. Like, like, are the is there is there that concern at all? The risk of being a little bit too desperate to give up too much? You know, I, I don't know what what Atlanta's asking for for Clint Capella. But I I don't want to give up too much just to get a guy who's going to play 15 minutes a game, if that. If I, I, don't, I, I don't think you would have to give up much at all to get
1: Clint Capella just because I think Atlanta would love to be able to get the $22 million off their books for next season. So if anything, you're doing, you're doing the Hawks a favor by taking on that 22 million. You might be able to get them to attach something to make Fair that So Fair you're, you're saving the Hawks some money. I don't know where the Hawks are uh, in terms of the luxury tax. Let me double check that really quick. I'm sure they're, they're close to, to the luxury tax at this point because they paid Trey young. They gave um, DeJounte Murray that, um, his extension. Um, so let's see right now. I'm trying to read this on the fly. They are well over the cap for next season. They are, let's see, they are, they are just below the tax for next season right now. And, and that's with um, Sadiq Bay is a restricted free agent. They would probably want to bring him back. Um, yeah, I guess that'd be probably their only big free agent right now would be Sadiq Bey. Uh So if you're the Hawks and you'd like to add probably other pieces to that roster, and if you were to bring back Sadiq Bay, that would probably put you back over the luxury tax. I'm sure that they would love to be under the luxury tax going into the, into next season. So I, I don't think that it would take a whole lot to get Clint Capella out of there. You'd probably just have to stack those two salaries, the Landale and uh, Oladipo salaries and yeah. That might hell. Oh, that might be enough to get it done. Maybe you throw in a couple second round picks or something like that. But again, in a sense, you're doing Atlanta a favor by taking on that 22 million for next year for Because I think that they want a Congu to start. I think eventually they want a Congu to be their starter, and right now Capella's in the way.
0: All right. So we've got a few more games to wrap up January, and we'll have plenty of time to talk more about the trade deadline. Um, got the Blazers coming up on Wednesday. By the time a lot of you guys hear this. Um, that game will probably be close to underway, if not already. Um, but it, sh- it should be some cool rookie action coming up, man. Rockets have Portland at home, then they go uh, Friday to Charlotte and see Brandon Miller, who's been playing out of his mind lately. Um, and then they got the Nets come home and face the Lakers next Monday. Maybe we'll talk after then. We we'll talk between that the, the, that that back-to-back uh, home the back-to-back home games with the Lakers and, uh, and the Pelicans. They play on a Monday and a Wednesday. Maybe we can do this again uh, a week from now. So I'm excited about that, though, um, to, to catch the rookies. as You know, Scoot Henderson, I haven't looked at injury reports, but I'm assuming that he's healthy and going to play. They're playing tonight, so they don't have an injury report for, yet for tomorrow's game. Yeah, so. In Oklahoma,
1: we'll, we'll, in Oklahoma City right now, they're as we are recording right now, they're winning in Oklahoma City. Scoot Henderson, 12 points. So far off, oh,
0: there you go. So, all right, we'll you know see if the Rockets can catch him coming off of back to back, and uh, you know, hopefully he's not as good against them as he's been against uh, uh, in this game, um, against the Thunder. But, but yeah, man, so that should be exciting just to watch the a lot of young talent, um, the NBA's young talent, uh, between scoop Brandon Miller, and of course, what the Rockets have going on with amin thompson and and cam whitmore uh really cool really cool to see so we'll do this again in a week make sure that you guys are subscribing rating reviewing telling your friends and for adam splain austin mendez brandon scott until next time y'all be good